Thanks for listening to this episode of Unpacking Mental Health. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do this by clicking the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes. And this is a $5 donation, which will keep the podcast ad-free and go towards covering the expenses. And I would love, love, love if you could give my Instagram and Facebook a follow and I will update you with the next podcast. So have a great day and I hope you enjoy. Today I'm chatting with the wonderful Maria Foy of Happy Mum, Happy Child. So Maria is a blogger and influencer with a quite a substantial Facebook following. Maria talks with me about her many years living with anxiety and what it's like to have a newborn and deal with the horrors of postnatal depression. We also discuss how social media and wrangling a huge audience impact on Maria's mental health. Welcome to Unpacking Mental Health, Maria. It's wonderful to talk with you today. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited ah, to be here. The pleasure. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive right in, shall we? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so you've been struggling with anxiety since your mid-20s. Um, yes. What has this looked like for you and how have you coped over this time? So I, I haven't really, well, I didn't fully acknowledge that I'd been struggling with anxiety until about a year ago. Like you just go through the motions in your life and you don't really realize at the time. But what happened in my mid-20s was I had a change of job and the pressures of it really, really got to me. And I basically went one day from being this happy, bubbly person to being an absolute write-off and a mess, literally overnight from starting a new job. And I quit the job after 24 hours. It was a very bizarre thing for me to do. And I ended up going to my doctor saying, look, this is what's happened. And he put me on anxiety medication and it really, really helped. But um, I didn't deal with any of the anxiety at the time. I knew something was wrong. Obviously, whatever was happening caused this trigger in me, but I didn't actually address it. Not not until, not until I, I got my next job, which was about a year after that and then I started going to therapy so okay. that really the therapy really helped yeah um, were you switching I, industry with that job or was it the same industry you had been it in was the, it was the same industry but I hadn't so I hadn't I basically I'm a yes person because I don't like letting people down and my first job I stayed in for eight years so after I finished high school I was in the same job not not sorry with the same company not the same job I was with the same company for eight years so it was very familiar so when I started new a new job I was very excited but I also there was a lot of pressure on me to um, perform because I was a receptionist but my experience was a lot more than that so they expected a lot more from me and Mm -hmm. it just got too much for me and it was instant so by the time I got home from my first day at work I was in tears and I went to bed that night and I thought about ending my life I'd never ever ever thought like it had really gone from one extreme to the other and I cried all night and I thought this is just change it's just change that's caused this um but it was it ended up being more than that and then after on my second day I, I resigned and took a break from work so and and really started sort of delving into why I felt the way that I felt but I didn't really address until I went to therapy so okay yeah and that was with a counselor or a psychologist yeah um it was with a psychologist I think I to be fair I don't remember the details I just remember going and Mm -hmm. talking to someone about 
my feelings and 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 what I went through and we unpacked a lot of stuff I still need a lot of therapy but for the (laughs) like I only I went for six months and I started the therapy when I started a new job which was working in retail so I took a complete break from working in an office and went and worked in retail and I would go to my therapy sessions before like the morning before I'd go to work and it was so draining I because if you've worked in therapy you have to put the uh, therapy if you've worked in retail you have to put this face on and it's so hard putting on a face when you've just had everything removed from your entire being and shattered and I just I found it so difficult um and and I so I stopped after about six months might have not even been six months it might have been three months but I definitely need to keep going so (laughs) they just haven't done it right (laughs) And so was it the therapist that brought up the anxiety that kind of made you realise that's what was happening or you already knew? Um, so the therapist basically, we, I mean, have you been in therapy? Yeah, yeah, for years. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, they, they kind of don't really address the thing that you talk about. They address everything else in your life that, and you kind of piece together like, oh, actually, this happened because I am this way. And yeah. so... I can now look back on that, especially now, given it's been, I don't know how many years now. Um, I can look back on that time and say, okay, well, I had a problem with setting boundaries. I had a problem with saying no and and standing up for myself and saying, you know, I can't actually do all of that. Can you please just give me three things to do and not give me a hundred? And um, I, I do believe, though, that there are some things that in our lives that are meant to happen to guide us on a path. And I do believe that situation was meant to happen because it, it it put me down this path of sort of discovering myself again and doing something different and going into retail and giving me a different perspective on life and on dealing with people. And, and that in itself was difficult and that taught me to deal with different people in life. And yeah, I don't regret it. I, I, retail is definitely teaches you a lot about other people. <laughs> I've never done it, but I've heard Yeah. <laughs> deal with all walks of life and you have to like pretend that it's not an issue (laughs) yeah it's great it's great (laughs) um but you know I went into my pregnancy sort of skipping forward a little bit knowing that I had this anxiety so I sort of like said to my husband like just so you know you know our family's got a history of this i'm my um i have a relative who got postnatal psychosis and my mum was pretty sure she had postnatal depression so i said to phil my husband look i've had anxiety in the past my family's got this history just so you know it might happen yeah um obviously saying that out loud doesn't necessarily mean i believe that internally because i was just as equally surprised when i you know when i got yeah. it so yeah okay so i get do you want to talk a little bit about how that was for you? Did the how did the postnatal depression kind of when did that start, and what did you do to find ways to help yourself with that? Uh, so what happened? Just sort of like to give a bit of a background on on me. I could not wait to be a parent. Like that was I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Like I finished school and started work. I don't know what I wanted to be. Worked in an office, very generic thing to do. But I thought the one thing I'm going to be good at is I'm going to be good at a parent and I just can't wait to give it a shot. And I can tell you that parenthood took me by surprise and not in a good way. I just maybe I romanticized it. I don't know. I just didn't have a lot of people in my life that showed me what parenting was really like. You know, social media was always 
especially back then, was a place where you just saw the nice things. Mm. And so parenthood really took me by surprise and I really, really, really struggled. And my postnatal depression symptom was anger. And it wasn't just a little bit of anger. It was like an uncontrollable rage and it would be a blinding rage. So I would become hyper-focused on something and be very angry and it would make a lot of sense to me in the moment. But then once I'd come down from that, I would look back and go, I don't understand why I was angry. I don't, I almost don't remember a lot of it. It was just this intense moment where I felt nothing but anger. And that went on for about five months. And so when when I, I remember being like, so I would just get angry at everything. Very, very, very angry. And I remember being on a ball in the, on the floor, crying, being angry, screaming, and thinking, this is not right. I think I need to go and see a doctor. And that's sort of when I went and chatted to my GP about it. Yeah. Okay. How soon after birth did that, did you first notice feeling that way? Um, quite... Well, my, I think something was not right 100% from the moment I gave birth. I think I felt okay. a lot of disconnect with between myself and my daughter. I didn't recognize her. I didn't know who she was. It took me a, a really long time to fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel, I feel like that was probably the start of something. Um, I don't really remember when the anger started coming into it. It, it was probably a, couple, a month or so into it, just things that happened at home. Yeah. I felt like I had no control over. And I, in hindsight, I believe that's probably where anger comes from is the inability to have control. And so you kind of, yeah, it came out in the anger way. I think it comes out in other ways for other people, but for me, that's kind of how it came out. Yeah, so. yeah. and it's probably coupled with you know a huge hormone shift, yeah, and sleepless yeah. nights and all of the jazz yeah. that goes along with the stress of a newborn. So I can imagine. Yeah. Um, I also had postnatal depression when I had my daughter, so I didn't have the rage, but I can understand how, of course, yeah, um, that whole system works. I think for me, it was mostly just sadness and like drowning you know like drowning absolutely absolutely I um at the time my my parents and I have a really great relationship and my whole family does and at the time my parents actually were living in Australia they'd moved over there for work so I actually didn't have my mum around Um, and I really needed my mum like even just talking about it now it kind of makes me sad because you know, when you need, like, my mum's always been yeah. there like, when I'm sick. My mum's always there. And yeah. when I'm not doing well, my mum's the person that I ring and all my dad. And so I didn't have either of them there. And also my husband, he didn't, I don't think he realised how much parenthood changed us and, and changed our lives and how much I need help. And so his work continued as if nothing had changed. And so when my daughter was eight weeks old, he went to India for three to four weeks and that just absolutely ruined me. And I, I believe that's when it, my depression probably kicked in a notch yeah. was, I mean, my mum came over from Australia for a week, but I still was doing parenthood by myself for two weeks. Yeah, and it was so hard. hard. It was so hard. I was struggling with breastfeeding. I just couldn't get that right. I was pumping, oh my God, pumping just takes up so much time and you just need to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And the sleep deprivation just ruined me. It just felt like everything was just impacting upon me. And it was almost like layer upon layer just pushing me down. Mm -hmm. And like you say, it felt like you were drowning. I just couldn't come up for a breath, you know? 
yeah yeah that there's something to be said for that sleep deprivation I don't know about you but I'm very attached to my sleep and I always have been so Mm. like I've not been an all-night rager partier kind of person (laughs) no no midnight's my cutoff like yeah and but I've always been an early riser and so I thought I thought, well, I obviously don't need that much sleep if I can wake up early. But as I became a parent, I was like, actually, I need sleep. My husband was the one one that could go to sleep, shut his eyes and be asleep. And I would be listening for a baby, waiting for a baby to cry. And that was that anxiety. I was like always on edge waiting for that. I still am like that. I've been very affected by parenthood in that sense. And I still, if I hear a big bang, I I wait on edge. I can feel my heart racing. I get very anxious about it. And yeah. I was very much like that. In fact, I had yeah. to, um, my husband for my birthday, I think when Chloe, my daughter, was six months old, um, he bought me like custom fit. I had to go get them molds into my ears so I could have custom made earplugs so that I could sleep during the night and he could wake up and do the feeds because I couldn't sleep because I could just imagine the baby crying or I could hear the baby noises and it was just ruining me. The sleep deprivation was ruining me. And that was just, that was amazing for me. I just loved yeah. being able to sleep. And he yeah, was amazing. amazing. Yeah. I've never heard of yeah. that. So you can get custom fitted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You yeah, like go to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've still, I've actually still got them. Like I'll never throw them away. I don't know how expensive they were, but I remember going and taking my daughter, she was six months old at a time in with me so I could have this goop poured in my ear to make these these molds which yeah. is neat so <laughs> gosh I don't think the cost would matter at that point would Mm-mm. it you'd probably pay anything no way <laughs> I yeah I still I still would wake up in the night and take my earplugs out to hear because I'd still imagine I could probably you know the baby was probably crying the baby was never crying yeah and, you know and and I'm, I'm a definitely a big believer that children or babies they feed off of our energy and so my daughter had trouble sleeping and it was probably because she fed a lot off of a lot of my anxiety mm. and I wasn't a confident parent. Whereas with my second born pff, second child is way different. And I had so much more confidence and I still struggled with my depression then, but it wasn't ne- definitely not anywhere near as bad. Yeah. So. I think it's hard as well when you have a first child, how old were you when you had your first child? Um, I wasn't young. I was 28, I think, okay. or 29. Yeah. I, I think I was 28. Yeah. Okay. Still so, in your 20s, not, I guess. Still in my 20s, yeah, but yeah. I wouldn't say young by any means. But, yeah. you know, even though I came from a really big family, I still wasn't prepared for that. Mm. For it is quite a shock, any level. isn't it? I found like, it an incredible shock. Yeah, I felt like a little bit ripped off when I had done been to a midwife and I had done the classes and the things mm. and either I wasn't listening or paying attention or like when yeah. it happened, it is not like in the movies and it is not like no. how cute it is in the books it's it can be soul destroying at the time you know it's just... actually and I and I I feel like those antenatal is that what they're called antenatal god if I yeah, remember I think so. antenatal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it out. Those class, yeah I know we've put them out of our minds <laughs> blacked it out um I feel like those classes they focus a lot on um you know the, the birthing aspect and and informed choice and what you know, what sort of things you need to know about labor. And and that's great. But, you know, labor is the smallest part of that whole thing. Mm. And yeah, it's great to know those things. But and they, you know, I remember being taught how to swaddle a baby, which of course, I forgot straight away. 
that it was like the most minuscule part of the you know the however many weeks we went it would have been better to hear about how bad it was going to get you know how bad breastfeeding was going to be and or like or how hard it is like I I would rather be prepared for the worst mm-hmm. and expect yeah. the worst than expect the best and have the worst and be surprised by it you know yeah so. absolutely I think even you know with Plunkett coming around and other things mm. it, it still wasn't enough for me to feel settled or feel like I was oh, doing absolutely a good not. Job. And probably that lack of confidence, like you mentioned, as a first-time mum, if you're not experienced with babies, you know, am I doing this wrong or that wrong? And Mm. when do you start feeding food or is that poop normal? Or But all of that stuff is is when you're lying awake at night when you should be sleeping. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and then having access to your phone at the same time so you're Googling it and it's just – it makes like this vortex in your head of like self-doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Am I doing this right? Oh, I better Google it. Yeah. Social media, someone saying, you know, yeah. oh, you're supposed to do this with a baby or do that with a baby yeah. or family and it just can get outrageous. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But your second pregnancy wasn't the same as that then. You were a bit more relaxed. Uh, oh, definitely. I knew what to expect. But also, um, so when I was first diagnosed with depression with my eldest, I went on medication. That was a choice I chose to make. Um, okay. And it was the best decision for me. Um, yeah. And I'm still on that same medication. Okay. And I stayed on that medication throughout my pregnancy with my son. Um, my doctor and I discussed it. So it was definitely a joint decision. And and we both felt it was best for me to be on that and, and for the family as well. And, and I wanted that for the family. I wanted to be a mother who was even in mm-hmm. myself and not up yeah. and down. And it was a great decision to make. So when I had my son, I actually did up my dosage of medication and I'm now on still on that dosage um, just because the hormones and stuff started really kicking in and I, and I oh, didn't okay. feel like I was, I was struggling a little bit more. I think that it was when the anger starts coming back, I know that things aren't right. Um, yeah. What medication think, are you taking? Do you mind sharing? Um, no, not at all. I'm on Citalopram and I've just been okay. on that for many years yeah. now. So And that works well for you? You haven't had any yeah. crazy side effects? Not that I know of. <laughs> not that I know of. <laughs> I mean, I think... Well, no. A lot of people say, you know, how does it make you feel? And for me, it just made me feel normal again. It just made me feel mm. like myself because I felt so out of control. I felt yeah. like I was a different person. I didn't know who I was anymore. So I just, for me, medication was the right thing to do. And I know that it's not for everyone. And whenever I get asked on social media, you know, what should I do? I'm like, well, that's such a personal decision. Mm. And it's probably yeah. something you need to make in conjunction with like talking to your doctor or whatever. So, and it's not really something that you know you don't first know that you're experiencing a problem and you go straight mm. to antidepressants. Like, mm. for me, I've been taking Prozac for a while now, too, and mm. that works really well for me. And I'm happy with, like you say, that with even yeah. you can be even or you can be, um, mm. you know, up and down. And it's nice to be in the middle there somewhere, but definitely yeah. the first conversation doesn't end in antidepressants. There are therapies and there yes. there's reading and books and other things to try first that yeah you know. absolutely yeah so and, and for me I for me I didn't want to do that because it was so bad for me and because of my history my family's history with psychosis I think my doctor was quite concerned that he didn't want it to go down that path and I didn't want it to go down that path either mm-hmm. so what we yeah. did was we did um uh 
antidepressants plus therapy, which I don't know what it is for you guys, but it's always, it's a, it's like, yeah, I got six free sessions or something like that. Yeah, I think um, it's something like that you can do. For, I don't think they give out antidepressants without having you see a counsellor in conjunction. I, don't, I think you might be right, yeah. yeah. And through that, through the, it was through ProCare, and through that I actually did a mindfulness course, which I found really, really helpful. So, Yeah, I did the same thing. I did a meditation and mindfulness. Oh, um, wow. It was like a four-week Yes, yeah, you know, yeah, one week type of thing, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like the very start of my journey. I guess I don't know if I'd call it like a spiritual journey, but an inward journey of mm. you know a lot of reading of different books and like that whole self help and you know jumping that's on that. That's the sort of thing that it's supposed to do, right? It's supposed to like trigger mm. something within you that is quite self reflective, and and yeah, you yeah. yeah, you start looking into things a little bit more. I was definitely the same, mm. and I think that's the point of these feelings as well even though there are of course brain chemicals and things going on um Mm. there's also their little warning signs right that something's not quite right so those feelings of depression and anxiety are kind of spurring you on to um do some self-reflection and go inward and find out what's happening and try and work it out (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely trying to figure out what's happening yeah 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 although there's no answer as such no 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 it's like what's the meaning of life oh god yeah yeah and people talk about um you know clearing trauma and all of these things like it might end then and you just get to live the happy life from that point on but you know new things come and happen and I think it's all about rolling with the change a little bit yeah yeah, I completely agree. From there, you, I guess, started blogging at that time, did you? Or was yeah. that? So I started blogging when my son was six months old. So I had okay. an 18-month-old daughter and a six-month-old son. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait. Yeah. Mm, was it 18 months? No. No, she must have just, there's a two-year gap between them. So she must have just, she was two and a half and he was six months old. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, not 18 months. Okay. And you, um, I guess, use that as a bit of an outlet or? Yeah, well, I did it. I originally started Happy Mum, Happy Child to document the activities that I was doing with my daughter, the eldest, because mm-hmm. I needed to do something with her to entertain her while I was breastfeeding my son. And I was encouraged to kind of start this blog. And so that's where that started. And then I t- sort of started talking about my struggles with depression and just parenting in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think, you know, I, it was one of those situations where it was right place, right time. Um, I don't think there was necessarily that many outlets like that, sort of like in New Zealand at the time. It was definitely big in Australia, um, but not in New Zealand. Sort of that's sort of how I built my following there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were mostly just writing or were you doing videos or um it was definitely writing to start with and then videos came on top of that but I connected up with social media instantly so I was on Facebook straight away as soon as I started my blog I had a Facebook page to pump that blog out so that was I had my blog as my space where I write and my Facebook page was where I got my audience yeah and would filter it across to my blog yeah yeah, okay. And were you a bit tech savvy yourself when you first started all yeah, of that? Yeah, 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 definitely. I've I've written blogs in the past before and I've done um I've done a lot of because I've worked in an office, I've done a lot of work with computers. 
Yeah. Uh, so I kind of knew my way around it from that perspective. And I'm very much into technology. I love everything technology based, although I'm feeling a lot yeah. older now. Anytime I try and get, do something new, I'm like, how do I do this? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but... Have you jumped on TikTok yet? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Much that everyone's <laughs> discussed. No one wants a mum on TikTok. <laughs> but I'll make it work. <laughs> But I very much feel old in that space. It's definitely not a space for me. So yeah, like but going yeah, to I, I yeah, no, that's <laughs> definitely not a space for me either anymore. <laughs> but you know, I I knew what I was doing and I had a goal in mind and and I kind of just made that work to my advantage at the time. Mm. So yeah, okay, cool. And so, how with anxiety do you deal mm. with that type of audience and having to create content and be available and that type of pressure I think to start with it was great it was a little community and I felt like I found a space that you know I could really truly be myself and I had no issues for at least the first year but my audience grew quite quickly and as your audience grows you 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 definitely lose that community feel where everyone is very like-minded and it became apparent very quickly that I was getting a lot of followers that didn't necessarily agree with me and didn't understand mm-hmm. that we can all actually coexist in the same space, even if we don't agree with each other. And right. that part that disconnect people didn't like what I was saying or disagreed with me. I found that really hard to deal with. I am a people pleaser from way back. And so that yeah. I get a lot of anxiety from that. If someone doesn't like me, I'm not like that anymore. A little bit still, but not a hundred percent. But I, I definitely having a large following on social media early on wasn't huge by any means. But for what it was at the time, I, I definitely struggled in my own way. But a lot of it was just dealing with my own issues, um, and I didn't feel like I had a I had any pressure on me to be available because that space for me was very cathartic. I loved talking to people. I still love talking to people. I still don't feel like it's a chore at all to be talking to anybody. Um, And that's kind of why I do what I do is because I just love chatting about stuff and finding out what people do as parents and sharing my life and listening to how people do their stuff. Um, But yeah, definitely I've definitely learned a lot over the years about myself and how I process things and, I've definitely I definitely think I've improved a lot especially with my regards to my anxiety and my depression I don't I think it's definitely worse <laughs> I think my anxiety is actually worse now but I feel like that's lockdown related yeah to do is. with social media so yeah I guess we uh, should yeah. say you're currently how many days into a lockdown right now today is day 77 and, okay um, right. it's not I want to say it's not too bad but I definitely I'm on a good day today so Okay. Yeah. So you have struggled, obviously. Oh, I never thought I would struggle like this. I am a self-confessed introvert slash Mm -hmm. a little bit of an extrovert. I love being at home. I love staying here. I don't like going out. I'm like, take me away from people at any opportunity I can get. I'll stay away. But I just hate knowing that I can't go anywhere, Mm -hmm. even though I don't want to go anywhere. (laughs) I don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. I want to stay at home. But I just like knowing that I can. But also I've got my children here. They're great. I've got no complaints about them. But it's just it's really hard making them do schoolwork when they don't want to do it. Mm. So, And it's a know. lot just being stuck in a house with people full time yeah. for however long. 
yeah we go out as much as we can but this weather up here at the moment is very spring weather you know you get four seasons Mm -hmm. in one day as soon as you step out of the house it starts raining you go back inside it's sunny so you step outside and it starts raining it's like mind. i don't know what's happening (laughs) what's happening here (laughs) oh gosh um yeah that's hard i guess that's a um pretty external event though right that's not really something that you can control at the moment and like you said earlier you know sometimes these are symptoms of feeling out of control yeah absolutely 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 and and you know just going back to like my social media following and depression and anxiety I've definitely learned a lot over the years on what to do on social media and what not to do Um, it's definitely been a huge learning curve for me in terms of how I act and and what I put out there and what I talk about Um, I definitely feel like I've grown a lot on social media and because of that I'm I'm definitely more self-aware and with that self-awareness comes the ability to like step away from things and be like you know what you don't need to say that or you don't need to make that comment because it just brings in a whole lot of negativity so it's kind of like I've I've got boundaries in place now and I can protect myself from that you know that negativity almost and so you do you still have people following you who aren't following you for the right reasons they're following you I mean probably definitely I think you know everybody's probably got that um the hate watcher or the person that really likes to just watch you just to wait for you to do something wrong I think there's always going to be people out there that do that and I I don't get a lot of people that say it anymore people used to say it to me quite frequently but I've since I've distanced myself from drama or making comments about certain situations I kind of those sort of things fall to the wayside and it's been great. I mean, I feel like I've put this vibe out that it's okay that we don't have we don't have to agree on everything, but you don't have to hate me if you don't agree with me. Yeah. And yeah. so I I try and foster a relationship with my community with the followers where if you want to tell me how you feel, that's cool. Just use kind words, you know. Don't need to attack me and we can coexist in the same space. I'm quite happy to have a conversation about it. It's just yeah. that people get so caught up in online stuff that they forget that you know, I hate this. I do really don't like toxic positivity where you only have to be kind to people. But I do think there is a way where you can say your opinion and it be negative and, and you not agree with someone, but you can also be nice about it at the same time. You don't mm. have to, yeah. like... It doesn't have to be... Yeah, you're like, yeah, exactly. So it's yeah. definitely been... It's interesting having as many, like I, I actually don't have my, so I don't, I have more followers on Facebook than I do on Instagram, a -hmm. lot more. And I don't have my messages on there anymore. People can't contact me on there because it was actually getting too toxic and too intense because Facebook is just a different kettle of fish, you know, quite So people would private message you on Facebook with bullying type of messaging. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And because my audience is not just New Zealand anymore, it's very international, um, and especially, and this is definitely no offense to, um, Americans or anything like that, but Americans are very opinionated and they're very, some of them can't see outside of their own point of view. And mm-hmm. so they'll come at me very aggressively and with no room to move. And I don't have a lot of space for that anymore. And so I needed to set a boundary around that. So I just turned my messages off. If people okay. want to contact me, they can contact me through Instagram um and through instagram i have the ability to set it so that um only people i've interacted with can i can see their messages otherwise it goes to a restricted folder and they'll never know if i see it or not i can delete it instantly Mm. without reading it i have the ability to distance myself from it or if something 
particularly bad happens, I've never needed to do this, but if something particularly bad happens, I can always pass my phone over to my husband and say, like, can you just go in and into those messages and delete everything? I don't want to yeah. see them, like, just go in and get rid of them so I don't have to see. Yeah. Um, whereas on Facebook, I'd have to go, because I'm a nut for having all the messages unread. I needed to make yeah, sure I went through everyone. I don't want to have any unread messages. I don't want any notifications. And it was getting to me, so I thought, you know what, I'm just turning it off altogether. Yeah. Um, I have had people contact me in a pro and through inappropriate measures, like they found my address to write me letters and stuff like that, which I don't appreciate. Oh, and that wow. is taking it a step too far, in my personal opinion. Um, but like, that's okay. Letters of being rude, rudeness or... Yeah, basically what they could have written to me online in a, a message, they've written it down and printed it out and sent it to me through the post. So Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's it, a bit creepy that they know where you live. Uh, and... Yeah, I mean, I try and hide as much as I can, but obviously people people know where I live if they're locals, but people have gone out of their way to find out what my address is, and more than one person's done that. And it it just worries me a little bit because I feel like that's a little bit of an invasion of my privacy. Like I obviously don't show certain parts of where I live for a reason, so that mm -hmm. people can't figure it out. And I'm it's not like I'm not accessible. I make myself very accessible to everybody. Yeah. Um, I don't believe, I believe everybody should have a right to reply to me. I'm not infallible. I'm not like anybody special. Like if you just want to chat to me, that's cool. But I just found, I do feel like writing someone a letter and posting it is just another level that is just taking it a little bit too far. Mm. And that caused me a little bit of, that caused me a lot of anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Has that been recent or is that a um I think that was last year yeah okay that was last yeah. year yeah yeah that's not very nice ah well I guess where where the masses of people are those things can happen though can't they They're... oh absolutely absolutely yeah. the more people who follow you the more opportunity there is for stuff like that to happen I think it's just okay. statistic wise yeah, it's probably just going to happen and that's fine yeah. So you say, you said that Facebook's a different kettle of fish to Instagram. Mm -hmm. Do you find Instagram's a friendlier audience or is it because you have less followers on Instagram that there is less opportunity for people to Yeah, I think there's a bit of both there yeah, for sure. Okay. I think Instagram definitely feels friendlier, but I also think that's linked with the fact that it is a smaller audience. Okay. You know, there's 50% of my followers on Instagram are from New Zealand. So, right. whereas on Facebook, I think it might be something like 30% now, whereas it used oh. to be 100. When I, when I first started for a really long time, it was 100. So, yeah. I think at the moment, it's like, 50, so I have 500,000 500, followers on Facebook, and 30% will be New Zealand, 20% will be, maybe it's 40% New Zealand, 30% Australia, and then the rest is like Europe and, and America and when the, the bigger the audience, the, the broader the opinion. and But mm. also with that comes the inability to, um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also to realise that there is actually, it's okay to have a difference of opinion. It's okay to do things differently, you know. Mm -hmm. I love hearing how people parent differently and I love how we all have different senses of humour and what I find funny, you might not find funny, but what you find funny, I might not, you know, like, we all connect differently, but at the end of the day, we're all human beings just trying to get through, especially mm. parenting. We're just yeah. trying to make it through this parenting journey. And and I think people get very caught up in their lives online. And I think sometimes people think that they need to have their say in order to feel validated about their opinions. It's like, just you can stand by your opinion. 
and have your opinion without tearing someone else down at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. I think people forget that you can do that. And I don't yeah. know if that'll ever change. I definitely don't know if that'll ever change. But yeah. I guess there is this, and even now at this time, weird time that we're Mm. in in the world, you know, and there's such a division, it does Mm. seem like people can't just sit with their own decision and be happy with that. There's this need to, yeah, it's a a strange thing. I see it more and more often. It's like shouting at each other instead of just supporting one another or, you know, being. I agree. I agree. I agree completely. It's what you've said is exactly how it is at the moment. It's like, just be happy with your decision that you've made. Mm. You don't need to convince anybody else that your decision is the right decision on any level, whether it's parenting related, it's okay. And this is where a lot of um, conflict comes from online is the fact that people need to defend their decisions Mm. Yeah, because people automatically think if you have an opposing opinion, it means that I'm against you. Mm. Whereas it's not like that. I certainly not with me. Or yeah. like, just because I do it one way doesn't mean that I think you've done it the wrong way. Yeah. And people instantly, as they as soon as they hear, you know, oh, you baby led, baby, what is it? Baby led weaned your child. You fed your child um, whole foods to start with instead of puree. Well, that must mean you hate people that, you know, feed their kids baby mm. puree or yeah. whatever it is, baby food. It's like, no, it's not that. It's just, I've made a choice to do this. Mm-hmm. And this can relate to anything <laughs> across the board. Yeah, absolutely. No formula feeding or whatever you're doing yeah whatever my choice is this I'm happy with it your Mm -hmm. choice is that you're happy with it we don't need to fight to prove whose choice is the better choice because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day the goal is still the same especially for parenting we just want to raise our kids to not be a-holes you know yeah absolutely (laughs) and and, and my daughter and my my children are not going to grow up and say to their friends well I was baby led weaned and you were you know like no one cares about that or breastfed or bottle fed you know no one cares about that at the end of the day yeah and they don't get to 10 or 12 years old and you stand there with the opposing person seeing which one is the best yeah (laughs) yeah and I I, you know it's that it's that difference of opinion and the fact that people feel like they need to defend themselves that's where a lot of conflict comes from online whereas I'm Mm -hmm. cool you can do that that's fine I don't care you can do it your way unless it's physically harming the child yeah of course yeah Yeah. (laughs) you can tell a lot about uh, the characteristics of a person and where they're at in their growth stage Mm. by the way that you're absolutely right yeah, yeah. So and you I know what? Of... I I've been that person though, and I feel like that's part of my journey on social media is realizing that you don't need to defend yourself. Yeah. You don't need to if if you've done that, you should stand by that and be proud of your decision because no one's knocking you down for doing it the way you did it. There obviously are some people that do, but those yeah. people that knock others down are doing it because they think their way is right. Yeah, and there's no right way to do things. You know, that's right. And they've Ever. got a, clo- a closed-minded view of, Yeah, I think, if at any point you're doing something and you're too concerned about what the next person's doing than mm. just worrying about your own self, then you've got a problem there with some yes. communication and thinking, yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe not a problem, but you've got some growth area. <laughs> something needs to be worked on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what are your snippets of advice on mental health? Anything mental mental health related, I think it's really important that if you just realize that something's not right with yourself, that's a huge step in itself, but also just to chat to someone. People always ask me what to do. What do I do? I don't feel great. It's like, just go and chat 
don't open communication up with anybody i feel yeah. like that's the biggest the biggest thing and even yeah. now my daughter is nine almost ten even now i still have to remind myself like if don't get stuck within myself don't not speak if i'm having a bad day i just talk to my husband and mm. at the moment i'm saying it a lot let's be honest but i think that's lockdown fatigue <laughs> yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's Absolutely. funny. I started a um, group called Unpacking Women's Mental Health on Facebook mm. um, a oh, few cool. weeks ago. And I, I hadn't had a group like that before. And, it, you know, 150 people joined in the first week. Wow. And then another 50 wow, that's and amazing. 50, and I just kind of was a bit taken aback by it. But um, the, the things that people are discussing and having conversations about are just so amazing. Mm. And it's like this really kind friendly space which i like so I love i'm that. trying trying to keep it as supportive as possible you know yeah of course people can still voice opinions and say things but there's no room for any tear down like whatsoever yeah so. absolutely absolutely yes. well i do i i think it's really important to have that space yeah. um especially you know a lot of people say that social media is really hard for parents and it is it creates a huge like a whole new area for parents to be in that makes it difficult, but it also makes it amazing. And, you know, that first year of my daughter's, my first child's life, I really, really needed social media. I didn't have my happy mum, happy child page then, but I was connected with, you know, my Jew group on, on Facebook and the groups and those women helped me so much. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so good to have a space like you've just, you've provided for people. I think that is so important yeah. Um, yeah. What is the name of that space? What is um, it it's called Unpacking Women's Mental Health. Okay. I was going to say, I'm going to look that up. That's cool. Am I allowed to join? Yeah, jump in. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. All the women can join. Yeah, just no boys. Oh, so I'll give, boys. You, give you an opportunity to give it a shout out again. <laughs> Unpack yeah. it. What is it again? Say it again. Say it again. Uh, unpacking Women's Mental Health. Okay. Unpacking Women's Mental Health. Okay. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, only friendly, kind comments allowed. That's the that's the rule. <laughs> the rule. Yeah. Of and the also, you, one of the things that I've realised on um, social media is that saying kind things is really important, but also taking a step back when interpreting those comments because sometimes we can take a kind comment to heart and it, think that it's a horrible comment. I've mm. been guilty of that, especially on a day yeah. that I'm having like a down day or whatever. I think it's really important to remember that not everybody's words come from a place of anger or attack or, mm -hmm. you know, especially if we've got a preconceived idea in our head of what we want the answer to be, which yeah. we sometimes yeah. do. And someone tells us something that doesn't fit in with it. I think it's really important for women, especially because we are very sensitive. Some of us, including myself, especially, um, sorry, I just got a career. <laughs> Anyone's waving at me. Um, um, I think it's really important to distance yourself from being too attached to what the answer is. Yeah. So, or like the, the advice that's been given, because sometimes you can take it very, very personally and it can feel like someone's attacking you when in fact they're just giving you, they're just giving you words, words on the internet. This is one of those things. Words on the internet can be taken in so many different ways. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. it's, a, it's definitely um, when you start these types of groups, cause I've got a group of my own, it's got, it's got 20,000 people in it. And it oh my can gosh. Be very hard to, to yeah. manage that. But it's a big part of it is making both sides, the the 
original poster and the commenter to realize how you write things, but also how you receive things. It's like okay. it's actually a two-way street for sure. Yeah. So you have to do a fair bit of managing to keep I used to, and now I'm really useless at it. I have friends that help me. But okay. also, um, there's also, um, well, the people, if anybody is in that group and they listen to this, they'll be like, she ain't in there. She is not in there. She's not, not moderating anything. She doesn't do anything anymore. <laughs> what, I basically, school? oh, it's called the parenting view. Okay. Um, I basically just let it do its own thing, but I have some very specific rules in it around what you can and can't say. And the group members themselves are very good at self-managing. And But then as it grows bigger, it kind of does get a little bit out of control, but it's not too bad. I don't get very many things reported or anything like that. It's usually pretty, pretty tame stuff because I've heavily moderate like especially around the group rules and things like that like no medical stuff like don't even put a post of a rash in there like yeah go talk to a doctor like there's very very strict rules in it so yeah Yeah. and that is one of the rules that I put in this new group was no Mm. talking about the new c word because you know yeah yeah I think you have to have a I feel like there's loads of spaces to talk about that and it is nice to have a space where that's not chatted about you know, that's exactly what I wanted. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, especially with mental health, of course, it is having some impact, but it's not a space mm. to um, debate that. Um, so. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And it can go that way. And like we've just been talking about opinions and standing by your opinion and not being not thinking someone else the way they do things is bad. I feel like that can relate to that situation completely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> funny oh gosh and then we've got our kids on social media you know coming the next my kids are not I feel like I've got this unique space like a unique um view on social media where I'm like you ain't having social media until you're 16 kids I don't care what you say oh really that's the rule in your house is it well I haven't said I haven't said a a number I don't think I'd ever do that because I'd probably be a hypocrite but definitely not until 13 and you know I know my children quite well and they're quite young mentally I don't you know, they're not even, that's not even on their minds. I know some children that are the same age as my kids and they're on social media already. And I, for my kids personally, that is not anything that's happening anytime soon. And parents, you know, they sometimes say, you know, you'll, you change your mind, especially when they start asking. I can tell you right now from the experience that I have, I will never change my mind on that because I feel like there's a lot of education needs to go into my children first on how to sort of, deal with stuff online and and what to expect I don't want them to go in not knowing stuff especially because I know a lot of stuff that people don't know and Mm. I know a lot of stuff I know a lot I like I feel like I know how to deal with a lot of things better than I used to so I feel like you've got lived experience with a huge crowd of people that are sometimes angry so you're very angry (laughs) and 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 a lot of people have unresolved trauma that they take out on other people online. And, and you know, yeah. I've got to teach my kids to distance themselves in that respect, that what you see online is not real life. And what you mm-hmm. see online is often is often an exaggerated, like no one would say the things to you online in real life. They wouldn't say mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And, and it gives people a space to be someone that they can't be in real life. And I have to teach my children how to deal with that. I haven't figured out what to do with that because my ch- my kids aren't interested yet. Thank God. But yeah, like I said, my oldest is around, only nine. It comes around quickly. My daughter um, was, you know, yapping for a phone from about eleven or twelve years old, and yeah. we had this yeah. agreement that she could at thirteen, and so she got the phone at thirteen. But we had the um, 
parental locks on it and oh, uh, good on you. yeah 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 you know all the stuff that senses things and gives a mm. time allowance and all the jazz but um she was happy enough just to get that step but of course then it's can I get TikTok and can I get I know yeah. they all want one thing after the other right it's yeah just like so a slippery it, slope it is indeed but it was an instant no from us for Facebook and Instagram and other things yeah. it's just not not happening so we haven't even got a date on that now and she has a phone so it's just how old you is she now? She's 13. Oh, so yeah. She's had, I feel, she's had the phone for six months. That's cool, though. I feel like I feel like every parent knows their child and knows them the best. And so, like, I've, I've got family members that give their 9- or 10-year-old a phone where they can look at TikTok and they can do that. And that's right for them. That's not something that I would do, but I know that's right for them. And mm-hmm. But it does surprise me sometimes. I think people don't realise what is on the internet and what yeah. kids can have access to but also I just want my kids to say kids for as long as possible and I feel like mm-hmm. as soon as for me personally I feel like as soon as you open that world up to them it changes them a little bit yeah. and I don't want oh, that I don't want that just yet yeah, yeah. <laughs> holding that. on to the holding <laughs> on to the youth yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I think if you're not in those spaces like we also have a digital marketing company so we're very involved mm-hmm. in what's happening yeah. with social media and yeah and how advertising works and you know sickly they do advertise to children Mm. and everything that that happens there but if you if you're not aware of what's happening on tiktok or what's happening on snapchat or like think you should delve into that first before yeah giving your kids free reign and not knowing who can contact them and who how they can i i think that's right and there's there's going to be a lot of people out there that aren't tech savvy and that aren't on these apps and I think it's really important and I don't talk about this often but I really think it's important that parents like you just said go and use that stuff go and find out Mm. what's on there because you'll be appalled and you start seeing the things that people say say to each other and if you think adults are bad kids are worse yeah because you're also dealing with emotions and and hormones and Mm. yeah I would just hate you know, I would hate for something to happen to a child because of something they saw on social media or something was said to someone. I don't want my child to grow up unnecessarily quickly. Or Let alone all of the self-esteem issues that come yes. from oh, filters and, oh, you know, oh my gosh. things that aren't even yes. real life. That's not what people yeah. look like. That's a, that's a filter. <laughs> I yeah. know. Oh gosh, yeah. we, I feel like we could have a whole conversation about kids and social media. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just start a weekly terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. It terrifies me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's real, and it's not it's some real, imagined yeah. off the path thing. You know, all the kids want to be on it, and it's kind of coming for everyone at some point, unfortunately. But um, you can Actually, manage Lenny, it. My, yeah, my daughter already said to me, you know, my friends have uh, phones. Like, you know, how come I don't have a phone? And I'm like, well, because I need to teach you about it first. I can't. And she's very good. She accepts that. But like okay. I said, she, she's not specific. Like, she's not, she's nine, but she's not like a, like an 11-year-old, nine-year-old. Do you know what I mean? She's yeah. like a nine-year-old, nine-year-old. There are some very mature kids out there, and she's not one of them in that sense, you know? That's yeah. not a negative. I love who she is, and I love that. Yeah, absolutely. It gives me time. You want to foster that, so yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I don't want her worrying about that at the moment. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So oh, yeah, it's all right. Beautiful. We'll get there. 
absolutely. <laughs> and everyone has their, again, own choices and thoughts. Oh, and, absolutely. And it's no disrespect to anybody's choice because, again, every parent knows their child best. Yeah. And you know that situation best. And I feel like anybody who judges that is, is, really, is really not fair. Mm -hmm. So my decision's based on my experiences with my kids. Yeah. And, you know, oh, and your experience with a, a big oh, audience. Oh, social media. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. And same for us. I guess that's why I speak into it as well, because we understand mm. what is out there on the internet. And it's not yeah, all. Yeah, you know. You've seen it stuff. firsthand. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So one last topic for us to talk about is uh, alcohol and the role that that plays in mental health. Um, what has that looked like for you? Obviously don't have a huge, like I have a normal New Zealand history with alcohol, um, which isn't great. New Zealand's history with alcohol ain't that great, let's be honest. Yeah. We have a terrible, terrible binge drinking culture here. Um, but unfortunately, because I hadn't, I, I had so much trauma from, which sounds ridiculous, but my doctor says it's a form of PTSD, which around parenting, especially around like the three to seven o'clock in the afternoon, evening. And so over the years, I unfortunately created this habit with drinking. Mm -hmm. And what started out as like a five o'clock wine to reward myself at the end of the day over the years turned into more than that. Yeah. And it got to a point uh, a couple of years ago where I realized, uh, you know what, well, I think this isn't healthy. And you, you know when you have to say to yourself, have I got a problem? And you start Googling it. I feel like that's a huge big indicator is like, yeah. you have to Google if I've got a problem. Am what I an exactly alcoholic? is an alcoholic? Like how many glasses <laughs> yeah. a day is that though? <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, okay, I can justify. I'm not, I'm fine. I, I am not going to drink. And anyway, it, it's a big journey. I, I've been on a big journey and I realized that my relationship with alcohol was not healthy. I was using it for good. I don't think you can use alcohol for good anyway, but um, I just, I had a few mental breakdowns with it and I came to the conclusion that I needed to stop drinking. And so I did a lot of soul searching. I did a lot of reading and I stopped drinking and I stopped drinking in the January 2020, which was just before we, well, a few months before we went into lockdown and okay. wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, I wasn't. Yeah, most of the country was binging that whole lockdown. Wasn't oh, it? it was, it was to be fair, to be fair, by the time I got to March, because I think March was when we went into lockdown, uh, I was fine. Um, I didn't have any withdrawals or anything. I don't think I was like addicted in that sense. I just was addicted emotionally to, which is a form of addiction for sure, but I was addicted but to the, more than the, the absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, so by the time lockdown hit, I'd fully distanced myself from it. And I was so incredibly grateful to not have alcohol because I saw what it was doing to people. I now obviously have my opinion of alcohol has changed quite a bit and it's really not great for anybody. And I don't, I don't talk about it. I don't talk about it anymore on my social media. I obviously used to share when I was having a drink. Oh, you I have a different opinion of alcohol now. Yeah, I do. And I, I used to share a lot of memes around drinking, but I just don't feel comfortable doing that anymore because I know it actually just, it fuels people, but it also gives people a reason to keep drinking subconsciously because they see it and they think that it's okay um I think drinking alcohol as a parent is a really slippery slope especially if you've got um mental health issues so what I was basically doing was I was using alcohol as a coping mechanism to get through a really tough part of the day which is a really tough part of the day for a lot of parents 
-hmm. And even though my kids grew older and grew out of that witching hour um, sort of thing, I never addressed the issues that I had. So I just kept drinking. And, and because I still got anxiety during that time, I assumed that's what I needed to do to help me get through it. Um, and it wasn't what I needed because actually alcohol makes it all of that worse. It, it, it really doesn't make it any better. Um, and now I've got much healthier coping mechanisms. And I will say to people, I don't know what my relationship's like with alcohol. I don't know if I can have a relationship with it, but it's been almost two years now. And it's been the best thing that's happened to me um, mm -hmm. and my family and everybody. Yeah. yeah, because it was definitely taking its toll on everyone, not just me. So, yeah. Were you drinking every day or like? Yes, the yeah, wine, definitely. Wine time yeah. type of drinking? Wine time. Basically just took over and, you know, five o'clock became 4.30, which became four o'clock because, yeah. you know, it's five o'clock somewhere in the world, as we all yeah. joke about as mums, you know. Yeah. And then I think it got to a point where, I, you know, you think, okay, well, I'm not going to have, I would wake up every morning and say, I'm not going to have a drink today, but I'd get to three o'clock. I'd be like, oh, I'm definitely having a drink today. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. would just be this spiral. It would be this, like, just this loop of the same thing every day. I would wake up and regret having a glass of wine and go back and say, I'm not drinking tomorrow. And then do the same thing again, drink, wake up, regretting drinking, say, I'm not going to drink, drink. And it's, it's like this, and yeah, that's how that, I knew something wasn't right. Is that I, I, even though I wanted to stop, I couldn't stop. Or sometimes I'd stop for a couple of weeks, but then be like, oh, well, that proves that I'm fine. But actually, it doesn't prove that you're fine. That's not enough. You have to kind of, I think a lot of people need to realize that alcohol is, is more than just drinking. It actually, I don't like to talk about it because people think that when you stop drinking, you become like the preacher of mm. non-alcoholic. Like, bit, do you know what I mean? Like you become this judgy, preacher. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not a judgmental person in that in that respect, but I just wish people knew more about alcohol. I wish people, I wish there was more education around alcohol because I, I really do believe that, you know, I'm going to raise my children, you know, if you want to drink, that's fine. But here, let's talk about everything that happens so that you mm -hmm. can make an informed decision. I don't want, you know, I didn't go into, no, my parents didn't teach me about alcohol. I knew what I knew from experience. And that's not a good thing because you obviously don't, you don't get a lot of, you don't get a lot of hindsight you'll guide it you don't really realize a lot of stuff until it's too late mm, um, yeah and there are and, a lot know, of bad rather, experiences that can come yeah. from alcohol obviously yeah yeah and I would like my children to grow up knowing that alcohol is not great and and why people use alcohol and and why our culture is the way it is here in New Zealand and that mm -hmm. it's a really hard cult it's a really hard place to be to say no and actually yeah. saying no is a really powerful thing and actually not um, diving into an alcohol-filled society is actually a brave thing to do. It is a lot of a stronger thing to do than to drink. But yeah. you've got, if they're going to grow up in a world where they're going to get peer pressure to drink, and it makes me sad, but as long as I give them all the information, they at least have that on them, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think, you know, kids are little sponges. They do yeah. what mum and dad do or Absolutely. you know what they see so I guess if that's something that you don't want to model for children then don't model it for children right that's totally that's but also like I wasn't brought up in an environment where I saw a lot of that so I wasn't in the alcohol environment at all my parents didn't really drink at all yeah um but I think you know I didn't know anything about it yes I knew it was an addictive substance but never in a million years would I thought that I would become addicted to it mm. 
you yeah. know, especially because when you think of addiction, you think of someone that wakes up in the morning that drinks, someone that is slurring their words all day, can't drive, drives drunk, gets caught, like does horrible, horrible things. Mm-hmm. Whereas I probably was what you would call a functioning alcoholic. Like, yeah. well, I was fine. I, no one would have had a clue. And all of my friends had no idea anything was happening. No mm-hmm. one has any idea anything was happening. Yeah. And I think that in itself is a problem. Yeah. And it's very easy for us to think, I don't have a problem because I don't look like this image of what I think an alcoholic is. Mm-hmm. Also, people don't like the term alcoholic. I don't like the term alcoholic because of this idea in my head of what it means. Mm. Um, yeah, it's I, almost I, like I, one of those movie types. Yeah. It's a stereotype, isn't it? Stereotype, you, right? You, we, we, we all have this idea in our head of what an alcoholic is. And I still struggle with calling myself that. I don't like doing it. I definitely acknowledge I have a problem with it or had a problem with it. I'd like to think I don't have one anymore, but I haven't had a drink to, to know that. Test it, yeah. I, I I want to know if I can have a relationship with it, but the answer could be no. So there's right. definitely going to be a point at which I try again, and if it doesn't work, okay, that's cool. It didn't work out for me. That's fine. Yeah. I've now distanced myself from it enough where I'm okay if I don't if I if I decide not to ever have it again, I'm fine with that. Yeah, but okay, it definitely yeah, has caused me. I did a. I did a podcast a probably two months ago now with a friend, mm. um, Hayley Benson, that and she spoke about her oh, yeah. relationship with alcohol and how that mm. um, affected her. And she was celebrating her one year soberversary. Oh, that's that, so good. Yeah, the day that we did the podcast. So, you know, it was a bit yeah. of a high five moment. And I was still doing the five o'clock, you know, Pinot Noir time. And, yeah. you know, daily it might have been one or two, but. I would still wake up at the 3 a.m. and have the guilty feelings and the churny stomach yep. and the you know, yep. that whole cycle like you were just talking about in the morning. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely not doing that tonight. Do yeah. that tonight. Feel bad about it and, you know, talk yourself into it from 4 o'clock because yep. you start checking the, the wine time. But since that podcast, I haven't had a drink at all. So it's Oh, been, wow. That's incredible. Yeah, it's been two months now and I just haven't. I haven't even really had to think I'm not a drinker anymore or it's been yeah. four days. Yeah, no, no, you've been... just taken a step back from it, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is – I always say to people when they talk to me because I like to try and uh, – you, you've got to try and make it more palatable for people because mm. what I want to say to people is it's okay to take a step back from alcohol just to reevaluate. Like it doesn't mean you don't have to drink again. But there's mm. no harm in stepping back and be, and giving yourself some perspective, whether you look at your habits, whether you read, whether you watch something, whether you do all three. It's just I feel like there's people don't realize that it's okay to do that and that just mm. because you do that doesn't mean you're never going to drink again. It's okay to educate yeah. yourself and just take a break. Yeah, even That's starting true. with something like a dry July or, a you know, a yeah, month. Yeah, totally. Like a month, yeah. Um, Haley actually recommended a book called um, Mrs. D is Going Without. Oh, yeah, Mrs. D. Yep, she's amazing. Lot of yeah. yeah, I highly recommend that. Definitely. So I read that and, yeah, it was just an interesting – I'd already read Alan Carr's book a few years ago when I was – Oh, yeah, I've read that, yep. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> Isn't it funny it what you read? Quite, yeah. 
didn't quite hit the spot, but yeah, Mrs. Yeah. D's Going Without was a um, good one. And apparently she's got a new book, Mrs. D's Going Within. So I'll have to get that and have a read. Oh, as I well. haven't seen that one. I don't think I've read that one, but I've definitely read The Going Without and it's very, very good. Yeah, yeah. And I've read a few too. books. Yeah, I would yeah. recommend that to especially New Zealanders, because obviously it's written by a New Zealand woman. So I feel yeah. like it's very appropriate. And it hits the nail on the head in so many as in so many aspects. And I think Again, I just don't think there's anything wrong with educating yourself when it comes to alcohol. You can still drink and educate yourself, but you might find mm. that it might change your mind. I think yeah. when you become educated, I feel like knowledge is power. This has always been one of my mantras is knowledge is power. And when you educate yourself, you can make an informed decision. And so you might know of all the risks. So you might actively know that how bad it is, but you still choose to do it. That's still an informed mm. decision. That's still... Yeah. As long as you know what you're doing, but people don't know what they're doing. They get sucked into this idea that alcohol is fine. And I think, especially with as someone who struggles mentally, alcohol is a thousand percent not fine. It's not mm. a good thing. It's not good for anxiety. And yeah. it made my anxiety so much worse. I've noticed a huge shift in my anxiety this last month. It probably took me a couple of weeks to, you know, readjust to what I'm doing and change my habits yeah. at night time and yeah. whatnot. That was the biggest thing for me is changing that 5 p.m. cooking dinner mm. and pouring a wine time. Yeah, same. I had that. Yeah, I get that. So yeah. We're gone with the kombucha and a, I've got a special glass that's not a wine oh, glass, I love but that. it's a kombucha glass. So that still yeah. makes me feel like a ritual's happening, you know? Yeah, and absolutely. I yep, did the same thing. Yeah, just going down that road a bit more. and But yeah, the anxiety decline has been very noticeable like especially yeah. through the nights and oh even during the day. yeah so I found that I sleep a lot better now I go to sleep a lot better I'm not waking up feeling guilty I don't I wake up feeling so good and mm -hmm. I feel I love watching people it's terrible but I love watching people with hangovers being like ha, ha, that's not <laughs> me <laughs> yeah Shame. yeah there's never no more of I that mean, I went to a um, party, you know, the first one a few weeks ago, and I thought, oh, how's mm. this going to go? Because I wasn't really sure. Lots of drinkers there. And yeah, I took yeah. my 0% Heinekens and went along and had the best time and the best conversations. And I didn't oh, feel so at all good. like I was um, missing out or, no, you know, not part of the fun. Good. But as soon as I started seeing the decline, I was going home, driving yeah. home, you know, happily yes. to hop in bed yep. and then. Yeah, waking up in the morning feeling fine. It's like, oh, that's brilliant. I can go and go for Such a walk a great now. Feeling. Yeah, <laughs> you're not wasting the day. I mean, yeah. you, you get to it. You, I definitely found I was getting to a point where my tolerance levels were going up. So obviously the, because the reason that I drank was obviously to mask the anxiety and to help mm -hmm. me get through it and to relax me because alcohol makes you feel like you're relaxed. It doesn't necessarily mean that's what's happening within your body, but you feel relaxed. Um, I spoke with a dietitian, Mickey Willardin. I don't know if you know her, but no, um, no, I don't. But yeah, I spoke with her about it, and she said that when you drink wine or any alcohol, it's the first drink that gives you the feeling of relaxation and that feeling of um, like your anxiety is being covered up. Yeah, but from that's the peak of that relaxation, and that everyone from then on just starts putting you into decline. So. Oh, um, that makes a lot of sense. That really yeah. does make a lot of sense. I love I love learning new things about alcohol. <laughs> like I really do. I absorb it all because when I make that if I when I make that decision to have a drink again, which I know I will do because I want to test the waters to see if it's okay, it's really good 
I feel like I'm going to worry so much when I do though, but I, I, it's really good to know as much as I can so that, you know, one drink is enough. I don't need, because often what we do is we have more drinks to keep that feeling going, but we're actually just making yeah. it worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, we think we're going to keep like staying at that level, but actually. That buzz level. It doesn't no, work like that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, even Annie Grace's work. I forget what her book's called now. Mm. She talks a lot about that. Um, how the anxiety takes so many hours after drinking to, you know, peak. You might have yes. five drinks and that's going to set you back for 10 or 12 hours of yeah. anxiety. Anxiety. Which, why would you, you know? I know. It's, that's what I learned through what I've read is basically the worst thing you could do for anxiety is drink alcohol. It's basically putting fire on it. But you don't realise that at the time because you assume that it's, it's going to make you feel better. It's going to help you relax. Yeah. Well, it, it does give you that. Things. It does give you that initial sense of relief. Of course, I and I miss that. <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna lie, I miss that a little bit. But it's fleeting. Yeah, it's very fleeting. Yeah. yeah, and but also, you know, I love being present in conversations. Now, I still struggle with social situations, um, and obviously, that's why I would drink in social situations is to help me relax. But I have such better conversations, and I'm way more present in them when I'm there. Um, yeah. But then, if other people are drinking. It, can take that conversation off balance. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah, equal. Right. Yeah. It's not equal. So it's really interesting. It's very interesting. But yeah. yeah, the whole journey for me and then sharing it on social media, I've it always makes me new. I don't talk about it often because I know that it's very polarizing. And you know, like we were talking about before, people feel like they have a right to defend their opinions. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as I as I, as soon as I said that I was, you know, taking a step back from drinking, I got a lot of people very angry at me. Because oh. they, I guess you, that's they would, confronting for them, isn't it? It's very problem. confronting. If I've yeah. got a problem, then maybe they have a problem. Right. Very confronting, and it's it's been an eye opening two years. That's for sure. Um, okay. But I wouldn't change a thing, and I just try not to talk about it too much. But I also let people know that it's still there. Like every now yeah. and then, you know, I, I'm proud of myself for you know sticking to it, especially during the pandemic. Um, yeah. But isn't it crazy that you have to feel? Like you have to silence such a healthy, positive thing because yeah. other people it's society though, right? Can't, they can't deal with their own, I guess, problems, potential yeah. problems with it if it's a problem for them and have to attack you for something good that I you're doing. It, I think when you realise the you know, the history of alcohol in society, it's there we're born with it. it we're it's all we're we ha, we are a slave to it basically it's not fair it's not yeah. fair at all and we're raised with this culture and if you don't drink there's something wrong with you and if you start talking about not drinking then you're actively trying to convert people to become non-drinkers and unfortunately obviously there are people out there that do just that and it doesn't go down well with people because they like they don't like being told what to do and they certainly don't like being confronted with the possibility that something they're doing might be detrimental to their health, especially something like alcohol, which is shown to be something that is fun, you know, and makes us mm-hmm. fun. And why yeah. would you want to stop people from having fun? Yeah. But and actually, I, it's, I, not, it's not all just fun, though, because yeah. I, I recruited with the police two years ago now, and I did mm. um, training with them for a year, and I went out on shifts with them, and the alcohol-related harm is incredible. Oh, it, and that that was one of the agree. things that kind of, when I stopped drinking the first time, that was then because 
or A for fitness and B just mm. the things that you see are just not nice and it's not fun no. and it's not no one's having a good time after a drinking and driving accident or no. you know these I completely types of agree with things. You. So, um it's not it's not all being a party pooper. I don't think there's a bit of reality that people try and avoid in there as well. Completely agree with you. It's it's I think I actually think the younger generations are coming up now with a little bit more reality when it comes to that and they're they're choosing to not drink and mm, their peers yeah. are accepting of that. Whereas my generation, which is probably your generation, are you an eighties yeah. child? Yeah. Eighties <laughs> baby. Right. Yeah. An eighties yeah. baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere in the eighties. Um I, I you know, and even like even the generation underneath us, I feel it's there's a lot of pressure to drink The people, our peers don't understand when we don't drink. Like my, my friends are fine, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of people don't understand that and, get, and can get very angry at it. Whereas I feel like my kids are going to be great. It'll be no issue for them and other people's kids will be fine as well because they'll raise them that way. And I see a lot with young people now pushing back on those standards. And I really, really love that. I do yeah. think it will change. I definitely do think it will change. It won't be for us. It probably won't be for my kids, but it might be after that. And mm. I do, yeah. I just wish there's more education around it, yeah. you know, just like yeah. with anything. Because obviously when you start looking into the, the statistics of alcohol and alcohol abuse, you realise how bad it is. Yeah. And and it's not it's just very... making a, a dick of yourself or anything. It's no. also, you know, yeah. the family violence and the mm-hmm. road deaths the and deaths. all the other things. The yeah. deaths, absolutely. And and your own health issues that come along with years and years of drinking. And mm-hmm. I think that the more people know, I think the less likely they are to drink as much as they do. But no one talks about that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we are. So maybe we someone are. Yeah, totally. and, yeah. and you and Hayley were and, talking about it, so that's cool. Yeah. yeah, and there's no right or wrong answer. I think it's different for everybody. Um, yeah. Everyone, it's not really about how is one bottle a night too much or one bottle a week too much or, you know, it's yeah. more if you're not I think okay with what you're doing, then it's not okay. Yeah. That's that's your limit, you know. Mm, totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for um, jumping on and talking with us, Maria. It's been so nice to have you. It's been really nice. Thank you so much, Jen. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unpacking Mental Health. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do this by clicking the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes. And this is a $5 donation, which will keep the podcast ad-free and go towards covering the expenses. And I would love, love, love if you could give my Instagram and Facebook a follow and I will update you with the next podcast. So have a great day and I hope you enjoy.